one would be, let's say that you uh, uh, want to sell a property, but there's going to be some seller financing involved, right? Because the buyer who's attractive to you doesn't have the cash and can't get a loan or doesn't want to. Mm. So we had one of these come up earlier this year where somebody was going to carry about 30% of the, of the market price of the property. Now, if you do seller financing in a 1031 exchange, uh, you run into um, a couple of different tax issues because the installment note um, uh, payments that you're going to be receiving don't qualify for the same kind of 1031 treatment that a normal sale um, uh, would qualify for. And also, uh, if you are only receiving proceeds for a certain amount of the uh, property at the beginning, say 70% of the value of the property at the beginning, it's going to make it that much harder to trade into something downstream on the back end of the exchange. So in that case, what we did is we advised that the seller, in this case, who had uh, some relatives and friends with some excess liquidity, to go borrow money from them or have, me, have the buyer borrow money from them in one lump sum and bring the full balance of cash to closing. And this did a couple of things without getting too complicated. It circumvented the installment note issues in a 1031. So you didn't have an owner carry situation. There was actually a lump sum loan being brought to the table that could then be negotiated outside of the deal. And then two, it gave our client, the taxpayer, a lot more proceeds from day one to go and play with and purchase one or more assets. And I think in this case, they did purchase two assets because they had the extra funds down to go out and do that. So this was a situation where they received uh, full tax deferral, whereas before they've only, only gotten partial tax deferral. And they ended up getting two assets they liked as opposed to one, just because they went through that extra step. So that, that's one area where a, a QI who's been through a few of these before can help you out. Now, uh, now you just used the term, the, the QI. Qualified oh, yes, pardon me. Yes, qualified intermediary. You're not going to see those words anywhere else in the English language, by the way. You only see that in a 1031 context. Yeah, well, you know, I, I had a conversation the other day with somebody from that was retired military, and there was all yeah. kinds of acronyms thrown in there. That's, and yeah. so what I like to do is just make sure that, you know, I knew what it was, but just so sure. there's no a QI no, good catch. intermediary. So yeah, you got another story for us, Sean? Yeah. And, and this uh, touches a, a more complicated topic, but let's say you're doing a 1031 exchange. You are under contract to sell and you're under contract to purchase. So you're going to sell in a week and purchase in a month. Mm -hmm. So okay. that's all good. But then something happens with the buyer on the front leg and he backs out of a deal or uh, maybe he, he fails to get financing, something like that. Okay. Then you're stuck in a situation where you have a property under contract to purchase, but now you have no idea how you're going to sell your first property in time to get the proceeds and go make that purchase with. So in a situation like this, you would look for what we call a reverse 1031 exchange. Now, the IRS understands and recognizes reverse exchanges, even though they don't report them, right? When you report any exchange, it always shows up as, as just sell first, buy second. So what we do in this circumstance is we say, okay, we have a couple of options. We can either set up a holding company and go out and buy the property that you want to buy and hold on to it for you, and then we'll sell it to you after you've found the new buyer for your relinquished property. Or we can purchase the property that your buyer just backed out of, and we can hold that until you find a permanent buyer, but that way you're able to preserve the, um, the, the, the arrow of time that we're looking for in an exchange, which is selling first and buying second. 
The setup for these can be rather intricate. No two are the same. I've been handling reverse exchanges for years and very, very few of them are cut and dry. Mm -hmm. But it's the kind of flexibility and dexterity that you want out of somebody who, um, just because you had one aspect of what you thought was a perfectly lined up uh, set of transactions fall through, doesn't mean the whole thing's gonna fail and now you owe Uncle Sam tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars.